0: Welcome to today's episode of The Power of Reinvention. I'm Kathy Sharpross, and we're here to talk with my guests about the dreams, the visions, and the passions that individuals have every day and dare to explore them. Whether it's business or personal, you're entitled to live the life that you want, and no matter the circumstances, you have the power to create success, fulfill your dreams, and live with passion. That's what I'm talking about. So dare greatly and happy reinventing, folks. Let's do this. Welcome. I'm Kathy Sharp-Ross, your host, and I'm excited for Rich Yaffa to be my guest on today's show, The Power of Reinvention. Today, we'll touch on creative business vision, marketing trends, reinvention advice, and insights from a veteran of the entertainment, sports, and business industries from both a brand and agency point of view. You'll be inspired by our conversation and some of his great reinvention moments. This show is inspired by my book, Reinvent Your Life, What Are You Waiting For?, as well as my Reinvention Virtual Chat series, which launched right after my book in late March last year and in response to my postponed book tour and events. I hope you'll enjoy today's conversation and walk away feeling inspired to reinvent and with a new sense of what is possible in your life. So welcome, Rich. Rich. Thanks for being here.
1: Happy to be here, Kathy.
0: So before we jump in, let me just give a little bit brief background on Rich, who is the global head of Universal Music Group for Brands, known as UMGB, where he oversees brand partnerships, media sales, live and experiences for the world's largest music entertainment company. As a global industry leader with over 25 years of experience in the entertainment, events, media, sports, content, new technology, and cause marketing arenas, he brings a distinct perspective to building businesses and enterprise value through his unique experience in the convergence of content, media, and brands. Throughout his career, he generated millions of dollars in revenue for clients, as well as being the trusted advisor to CEOs, CMOs and CFOs on major strategic revenue. Recent UMGB global partnerships include work with Lego and Neo, Pokemon with Katy Perry, Post Malone and Jay Balvin, the Oreo and Lady Gaga collaboration, and the much buzzed about virtual con- concert experience with the Jonas Brothers and Lenovo. Prior to joining UMGB, Rich was the global CEO of Spring Studios, the managing partner of Ray Media 2, the CEO of Group M Entertainment Sports and Partnerships, a division of WPP, the co-founder and CEO of The Leverage Group, which I can speak to a little, and (laughs) head of marketing sales for the Columbia Records Group. Select partnerships he's leveraged on behalf of his clients include Coke, City, Pokemon, PGA, Wimbledon, U.S. Open Tennis. Oh, it's good. No, come on. Let me do this. WTA Tour Events, MLS, NBA, NFL, NHL, U.S. Open Golf, NASCAR, Vivo, BMW Racing, International Speedway Corp, Major and Minor League Baseball, MGM, Paramount, Miramax, Sony Pictures, and St. Jude's Hospital, Children's Hospital, and hundreds more. Need I say more? (laughs) that's quite that's quite a resume of of things i had to edit some out just we'd be reading your resume the whole time but rich you have had such a colorful career. I'm really excited to be having this conversation because it hasn't come without its challenges. It hasn't come without its moments of glory. Um, I was fortunate to work with you running the West coast group, uh, for the leverage group with you and had some, you know, amazing time working with you and your partner, Adam. To, you know, just sort of really dig into this part of the business, I thank you for all that I learned from you and with you while we were doing that. And I'm super excited to be digging into this conversation and kind of going back in in time a little. So I'm going to start with a little question. Who was little Rich Yaffa? (laughs) Did, Did you have any idea where you wanted to go with your life when you were, let's say, five, 12? 15, you know, did you have a sense of what you wanted to be doing?
1: Yeah, no, it's... it's, Scary thought, right? (laughs) It's an interesting way to think of of that, you know, and I think that when you look at all the different influences that you have in your life, you know, there's, I I think, you know, as you talk about reinvention, there's not one path, you know, when my dad was growing up, he worked for one company, you know, and I think that that's a, a very different Way that people look at their careers now, whether you're older or you're younger, you know it's it's interesting. I've had several chapters in my career, but when I was younger, it, it was interesting because I always had a passion for music and sports, and and, and really culture. I love the movies, I love music, I love sports, I love the things that went on around it, and it was, you know, I always thought that could I could I ever have a career that would that I would be able to do that. And, you know, you, you you wonder what those choices could be. And when you're younger, you don't know what that is. Mm. But then once I graduated from college, I had um, played tennis um, and got to travel in Europe for a little while. And I came back and I had interned on wall street for a a summer. And I was fortunate enough with this really great firm that they were going to, that they offered me a job and I sat in the gentleman's office and nobody had ever turned them down. And I said, can I have a day? And what didn't feel right? It didn't feel right. It was a ton of money at the time, um, but it didn't feel right. And I, and I looked at him. And I said, can I have a day to think about this? And he goes, what? And I go, no, can I really have a day to think about this? And I went home and my parents <clears throat> were there. What happened? And, I, <laughs> and they looked at me and, I, and it said, really, uh, uh, you were offered what and how much? And I think they were all excited that I would be have enough money to live out of the house. <laughs> right. And, and, and that, you know, that's as, as, you know, as you think about it. and I look back on it and I was like, okay, got it. And I, I said to them, I really want to try this music thing. Mm. And I did some research and I went on a number of interviews. And The funniest thing is that the, the interviews that I went on, I've intersected with those people, even, even today in the career, my first interview was with, a gentleman named jeff jones who was a product manager at columbia records at the time who's now the ceo of apple court which is the beatles company wow. and jeff sat across from me and said you know you can either be a you know an assistant or you can work start in the mailroom and i'm like no no you don't understand i graduated cum laude i'm, I'm like this you know i i, I want to be in marketing i want to be in a and r i want and he's like "No, no no you don't understand and he was very nice about it he was great and i I reminded reminded him a number of years back about this conversation. He didn't remember, right. but I did, and it was very formative to me. And you talk about influences, and he said to me, "You know." And I said, "Okay." So I left his office and I went on a couple other meetings, and the denominator was about the same. It was you can either start as an assistant or you can work in the mailroom. So I was offered a job, not even the main mailroom for Sony Music, but the the branch mailroom in Rego Park, Queens, and I took that for the, at the time eleven thousand one hundred and twenty five dollars wow. a year. And I told my parents that, right. and they're like, okay, my dad had a very stern conversation with me, which was, you've got one year, you, you've got a year, put in the work and see what happens. So I busted my butt. And at the 11-month mark, I, I would come in on weekends, I would come up with ideas and plans. and. Oh, um yeah. I buzzed my butt and I got promoted to being what was called an account service rep, which you went around New York city to put up posters and record stores. And I graded promotions and I got a little bit of visibility on that. And then I was, then that first chapter lasted 10 years and I stayed at Columbia records and was the, um, you know, and, and really each job that I got at Columbia after that were jobs that were not, that didn't exist before. There was the advent of sound scan. There was the advent of, of um, point of sale marketing, and I really saw some differences there. So I ended up progressing into these positions that focused on real metrics and 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 this part of the business side of the music business. I was very fortunate because I was I had an understanding of it, and I also was able to you know create a, a path for myself. So looking back on it, you know that was as you're asking me, what did I want to do? Well, I wanted to do something that I was passionate about, and right. I was able to do it.
0: Well, and you know, on the passion point, if I remember correctly, your office, your Leverage Group office in New York, you had how many guitars sitting in that office? I mean, that was truly your a love for music. And
1: yeah, well, I had a few and I also had a pinball machine. That was that's
0: awesome. Right. <laughs> that's right. But I think that's a beautiful thing when you can work in an industry. And I think we have these conversations a lot with young people, especially as we have kids who are like at that stage in their lives where they're thinking about their careers and where they want to go and what they want to do. And to be able to do something that you're really passionate about is is a wonderful thing. And you may not be the rock star that you want to be on the guitar, but if you can be a rock star in the music business and do the business of music, then that too is a wonderful path to go on.
1: Yeah, no, it, it, it was, you know, I, I think, you know, as you were saying, given our experience in, in our careers, Many times people come to you and say, "Can you talk to this person?" I did that today, and I'm always willing to talk to people because people were always willing to talk to me and help me out. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I think that there are two mantras that I sort of came away with from my father, which was one was, you know, there just don't make a fatal mistake. You can try things, try, try and go, and give yourself a timeline, and and try to figure out if you can accomplish it in that time. And then, you know, if you're going to bet on somebody there's no better person to bet on than yourself. And I think that that's, I love that. that, that, that's, you know, I think that's an important thing. So if you're passionate about it and you want to do it, go ahead and do it.
0: So you said something interesting before that you create the position for yourself in a way, or you created, you took initiative. You clearly are that person. It's not for everybody, but this kind of entrepreneur within you has really served you throughout your career. And it seems like that has been very much the theme in a lot of areas with some of the things that you've done over the last 20 plus years. Um, Can we talk a bit about that? Because I know a lot about the Leverage Group and what you did with Group M because I had the opportunity to work together. But why don't you talk a little bit about some of those moments and what it was that inspired you to start your own business? I mean, I've had a company for 33 years, you know, short of the, what, year and a half, two years that we spent working together. So I know the entrepreneur life. We both yeah. know it's it's a lot time to take.
1: It, it is. I, look, I think that, you know, going back to looking at things, I think it's really important to understand. It's not. It's really important to understand what's going on in the marketplace and where things are headed mm-hmm. and where things are going to be in the future versus looking at what's happening right now in order to get there and to, to really create um, success. And, and and I think that success is defined in many, many different ways. I think there's personal satisfaction, there's monetary, there's uh, professional, there's all sorts of different areas. But I think what, what ends up happening is if you can identify where the marketplace is headed and not say where it's ha- happening, but provide proof that it's happening there or some sort of business element to it so that you're not just making a bet that's based on a hypothesis, you're making a bet. Whether it's internally at the company or as an entrepreneur, or you want to start a business, test it. Make sure that you make sure that there's something that's showing you that you can actually be successful in it or to generate revenue in it, or, or that there's some modem of positive movement in it versus just an idea. Because right. there's a lot of great ideas and you can talk about a lot, a lot of great ideas, but I'd rather talk about what you've done and then then move forward. So what what ended up happening was while I was at Sony Music, um, I was offered to go out and work for a company on the West Coast. And in order for me to stay at Sony Music, uh, they I was fortunate enough that they put me into the executive MBA program, which was Amazing. challenging. But I did that and kept my <laughs> kept my job at, at at Columbia and Sony. But it was but what I learned was a much broader world of business, and I met a great person uh, who became my partner in the leverage group named Adam yeah, who I have an enormous Amazing. amount of respect for. Love and he was and he he knew he was a Deloitte consultant, so he knew about business lift and data, and we put together a great business thesis about the power of partnerships and. We tested it. We we built this business plan and then we tested it. And once we tested it, we went out and got investors and we started our own company called the Leverage Group after we fulfilled our commitments to our respective companies. And you 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 learn about that because no no entrepreneur goes through anything it goes through just success. You have trial, you have failure. You were talking about that before, you know, and I've I've started You know three companies two have been successful one was not so there's you know you you have success and and challenges and failures um but but you want the failures not to be fatal you know again the lesson from my father so we went through this and we had a tremendous amount of success when we started out and then we went through 911 and it was horrific and then but because we built a good business model and because we established a good reputation we received a phone call on January 30th 2002 and i will never forget it from Robert De Niro and Jane Rosenthal's office about talking to them about helping build out uh, a, a commercial plan for the Tribeca Film. What was an idea for a festival, which then became the Tribeca Film Festival and it saved our company. And then our company took off again. And that became a client for seven years and was amazing. But yeah. what we were able to do was really, again, it's it's about how you um, look to the future. And um, so- So, how, so do you,
0: how do you, when you're in that moment of- challenge. It's the risk reward issue. How much do you risk for the reward that you anticipate? You said it's important to kind of watch the marketplace and trends and understand, you know, where all the arrows are pointing up, as they say. Um, you know, as an entrepreneur, there's a lot of risks that we do take. There's a lot of challenges that come up, come at us. What would you say were some of the greater challenges
1: as you were building the business? Um, you well, know. well it's, it, it, it's learning that uh that having a contract done or doing a deal means nothing unless you get cash and unless you get the money in and unless you get paid it doesn't mean a single thing and we were owed a ton of money in 2002 when in 2001 when 911 hit mm. and nobody paid us and that was the biggest problem you got to get you can do all the greatest work in the world but if you don't get paid it's a real problem that's an entrepreneur's yeah. mantra big time The second thing that I think was really important is there is no beating experience. And in my journey through my career, I always have tried to surround myself with people who are smarter or have more experience or have um, an understanding of different landscapes and, and to listen to them extremely well. Now that doesn't mean that you do what they say to do because you've got your vision and you've got your you know that better than anybody but listen to what they have to say mm-hmm. because those you 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 can't replace that experience they've okay. seen things that you haven't seen you are blind and inexperienced when you start a company everybody asks you would you have <laughs> would you have started your company if you knew everything that you knew bad that was going to happen right. and good and the answer is yes because we were ultimately successful. But man, it, it's there are a lot of lessons to be learned. And if you listen really well, you can avoid them. You you avoid the fatal errors and you avoid the more painful ones. Right. And I sit on a couple of as an on board of a not-for-profit. I said I've sat on boards just providing that experience. And I've taught. And 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 I think just providing that experience really allows you to be a a, a, a a better it allows the company to give have a better chance for success. But if you're an entrepreneur, surround yourself with experienced people who have done, who have done the entrepreneurial route, and people that have done the things that you need the company to do, because you just need that. You you can't see everything as as an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah, no, I love that, and I think look, it applies at a personal level for people finding mentors and people who are building companies, as you were at the time, and then you had the great. Fortunate building this relationship with Group M who came in and sort of, you know, really invested in what you had created and built. Um, what was that moment like? I mean, you know, I know for me, I've (laughs) had numerous, numerous scenarios where people have come and said, let's joint venture, let's acquire your company. Let's And I was like, no, I want to be a free spirit. I want to do my thing. I'm not a corporate gal. So for me, that would have been like a no, thank you immediately. Um, you had a great vision, and I think that relationship enabled you to build it even greater and take it places that you otherwise might not have been able to. So what was that moment like for you? Was there trepidation about that alignment when you were sort of running your own thing your way, and now you become beholden to that bigger company?
1: Well, I, th- I, think, I think it goes back to a little bit about what I was saying to you before. When you start a company, I remember... I can remember to this day, and, and Adam and I talk about it the first deal that we ever did, which was Hollywood Records and Parfum Shamashi to launch a oh, right. it's called Play, Fast Forward, and Rewind. Okay. That you know is the proof of concept. And we did that and it was great. And we were like, okay, this company will work. And then you go through 9 11 and you're like, oh my God, are we, is it not going to work? And then you're at this place where somebody recognizes that you've created enough value or you've created enough, um, uh, you've created enough value to to say that they want you or they're willing to pay you for the value that you've generated. And we had a number of suitors early on, but the people didn't feel right and the strategic fit didn't feel right. And then um, there were people who are still my friends now, Minardo DiNardis, who became uh, chairman of OMD, Charles Cordier, who was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as chairman of, Media Edge and then Rob Norman, who was, um, you know, head of Group M. Uh, he, those are all my friends. And that was, good. and Rupert K, sorry, who was the CFO at the time of Group right. M. They all became my friends. And that's pretty wild. And when you can have that kind of experience, they became my friends because we, we, we there was a natural, you know, friendly connection, but we also did good business together. Right and so we decided to sell to group m and the day that <laughs> then another thing that entrepreneurs say oh great great they want to do a deal with me i said wait watch out for due diligence watch out for this watch out for that watch out for the, for it's never the exact amount that they tell you it's Go going right. to be because they don't agree with your revenue projections or what have you or they're not going to pay you for the future but you know these guys did and it was great and You know, it it was a great learning experience, but then again, it doesn't count until that money goes into your bank account. And I remember the day it was in my bank account and I was like, wow, all that hard work. And it took us six years to do it, but it was, and six really long years of grind, but when that happened, it was great. And then I ended up doing that, that job for another six, seven years. So it was great.
0: Which enabled you to probably branch out in so many other areas that you might not have otherwise. Yep. You had the resources and incredible sister companies around you to really build that out, which was pretty spectacular to watch and witness. As I got a kind of a front row seat too, to some degree. Exactly.
1: Yep, absolutely, and that yep. was that was why we did it because we want and and we also were able to attract great talent. And that was another lesson that I learned mm. was that as an entrepreneur, as you transition. Y- if you're the CEO, you you have to have great people around you again, both as advisors and underneath you. And I had, was it, the, what it gave me, gave us, was the resources to hire some amazing people. Yeah. And because of that, we grew. Yeah. Not because of just the vision that we had and being at, at Group M and access to clients, it's, it's because it's the, the, our product was our people. And great people like Greg Luckman and Price Townsend and uh, John Levine, Grace Robinson, Seth Jacobs, all these people that have gone on, Marissa Westlow, um, all these great people that have, that went on to also do great things. Right. Uh, yeah. Lucky's running, Lucky's CEO of a company now, Allied Sports and Entertainment. You know, it, it, they've all gone on to do great things. Yeah. And they had a great track record before. And we just, we, we talk about it because it was just it was an amazing time we 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 were one of the best sports consultancies we were one of the best entertainment consultancies we we were nominated for we won billboard um, agency of the year we we were nominated for sports marketing agency of the year we won seven cause halos down at a prima running that group mm-hmm. I mean, it was just a great group of people and a great time because of the culture, right? Well, we, look,
0: I mean, look, we had a reunion event, and how many people showed up for that reunion event that we had a couple of years back or many years back? Not a couple. It wasn't,
1: it wasn't that. Long but it was again. like, look,
0: look who showed up. I mean, everybody wanted to be there because there was a connection and such an appreciation for that time in everybody's lives
1: and what they had done. Well, it was just it was, we, that was the other thing, which was. You know, I think what's really important is establishing a great culture. Yeah. And wherever I've been, I've tried to do that. Where yeah. there's respect, listen to all the people and opinions in the company, and and really care about what you want to accomplish in your life, not in the company. Yeah. But it's what do you because we all have families, we all have other things that we want to do, and we all want to be passionate about what we do. But it was really important to listen to, to listen to the to everybody about where they want it to be, not just professionally, like yeah. financially so that they could support their family to do X, Y, or Z, you know, all these different components that are so important in life. Yeah. If you listen to people, they will tell you what they want. Exactly. And then as a, as a leader, it's your job to help try to, I believe it's your job to try to help them achieve that. Because if you do that, their relationships for a lifetime.
0: Well, that and, and, and they thrive in the environment that they're in because they're really in the right place for them, and that's a beautiful thing to have people around you that are doing that every day. Yep, which you did create. So, um, you then kind of moved on. <laughs> Let's talk about that next reinvention in your life after Group M. Then,
1: what? yeah, well, it, there was twelve years. It was it was a lot. Yeah. Um, and well, it was What great. was that aha
0: moment you were having at the time?
1: It was just, it was, it was time. It was time. It was time. It was 12 years and it was time to do something a little bit different. So I ended up consulting for a lot of great clients. Um, Rich Antonello, who became a real friend and mentor, um, uh, who was running complex media, um, helped launch the Guardian US, helped, uh, Anthem Media, helped, um, Great guy, Fred Santarpio, integrate Pitchfork, evaluate the acquisition of Pitchfork by Condé Nast. I had U.S. Cellular as a client. I worked with Icon International on mm-hmm. leveraging deals, um, and worked as their in-house a sports and entertainment person. And then I got a phone call from one of my clients, which was Spring Studios, to go and be the global CEO there, which was an interesting challenge and model. And did they have
0: somebody I, in that role previously no, or so this no. was sort of a,
1: this is the first someone. global CEO. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so again, so nothing existed before I got there, you know, the, so I, I went and became the global CEO for spring and, uh, New York, London, Milan, um, in los angeles and uh it was led by a gentleman it was founded by a gentleman named mark lloyd but it was led by a gentleman named francesco costa and he had a great vision which is still a great vision which is a it is founded on essentially the centerpiece of culture and creative at the intersection of culture and creativity Um, so they had a creative agency production group out of London and New York and mm-hmm. um, Milan, and we we also had an, a beautiful facility in London, a beautiful physical facility in New York where we hosted Fashion Week, where we brought in to host where I helped bring in to host Fashion Week. We did events and experiences, um, and then a membership club uh, and a workspace, which was really a unique model. So it really brought all the aspects of culture together into the into one kind of company and uh, it was a great experience. It was a great experience and a great way to live the world. And then I was, um, I had always had this inkling to go back on the other side into the entertainment space. And I was fortunate that um, Michelle Anthony, who I'd known from my first chapter called me and we talked about what could bring together um, really this area at universal music group. There were, There wasn't a global um, department. It was different different groups and divisions. There were a lot of different capabilities. How can we unlock the value of Universal Music Groups and create a really amazing opportunity for brands to make them culturally relevant and unlock the value and the assets um, for brands and our artists at Universal? So um, I was fortunate in April of 2020, which is really weird. Right. uh, (laughs) Because during COVID, I started a new job at Universal Music Group. I left spring after three years, doubled the revenue, um, and it was a great experience and left it in good shape but I made the move to Universal Music Group so which is that's has been a,
0: that's an amazing you know on a couple of levels a April of 2020 I mean first of all you think of the magnitude of all the components that fall under your purview from a global scale from a division scale I mean there's so many moving pieces around that but on top of it You can't sit in a room in April, 2020 for the next six months to build and get vision and sit with 12 people around a boardroom and get on a plane and go to London or Milan or anywhere else in the world where you're working with these groups because of COVID. So to to build and create the culture and the business, let's just talk from a COVID perspective, let alone a everyday business perspective. What was that like?
1: Well, the first part was that there was an amazing vision set by our chairman, Sir Lucian Grange, and Michelle Anthony. Yeah. So when you have that, you have something to start to work with. Yeah. And we created a strategy and a game plan and looked at the assets and the value. Second part was that there was an incredible roster of music. It's the world's largest music-based entertainment company. So you have a tremendous amount to work with. Uh, the third thing is that there was an amazing team in place. Um, I was very fortunate: Olivia, Robert Murphy out of London, uh, who's great; Naomi McMahon out of New York, and L.J. Gutierrez out of L.A. I had the foundation; I didn't have to go search for a great executive team right. that could support this vision. Right. But I still had to explore, We still had to create it, and they saw that they saw that there could be value. But you also had to create it. And there were a lot of assets. And then the other part was there's an amazing – the disciplines that are within Universal Music Group are amazing. When you think about it, Universal Music Group has created more culturally relevant brands than any other company in the world. Like think about it. From all the different things that they've done and all the artists that they have, those are culturally relevant brands. And they have to market them and and they continue to – and we now continue to break artists every – every month, every week, because of the capabilities there. So a lot of work was put into um, the data, the insights, the creativity, and we utilize that um, to create value. For, and we apply those capabilities to brands in a way that's very different than, than uh, I think any other company where we're really utilizing our resources that, that, we, that resources and capabilities to market our artists and we are allowing brands to access that, right? And then we built a media network with, because we have media assets that nobody else can access, mm. and we're allowing brands to access that. And then we have, you know, all these different concepts around original IP. We're making, you know, non-audio original IP. We're doing comic books. We're doing trading cards. We're doing consumer package goods. So we really broaden the world in which we are. And and utilizing the capabilities of Universal to unlock the assets and revenue for both the company and value and revenue for artists, too. So it's a win-win for everybody. So doing that during COVID is challenging. And I was just having that, you know, interpersonal relationship with somebody is really difficult but i was fortunate because of my first chapter that i had the tr- i had some credibility and trust internally because i had relationships right and and then i you know and then we had we i made sure that we tr- again the mantra that i talked about was having success if you show people that you can be successful with them approach the model you can build a culture of winning you can build a culture of positivity even during covid Respecting people's space, listening to them during COVID is really tough. It's really stressful. Everybody knows that. Yeah. But we were pretty successful in, in in doing that. And we've had, you know, we've done a great job with the things that we've done.
0: It's amazing. I mean, you know, it it people talk about the challenges. That have come, but I think during this time, but it has also afforded so many opportunities. It's enabling people to bring in great talent that could be anywhere in the world. It's enabling people to connect in ways they never have, to kind of scale their business in ways that they haven't been able to previously.
1: Yeah. Agreed, but I also think it's so important the interpersonal element. And I think one of the areas that's suffered is the mentoring or being able to yeah. pull a junior staffer into a meeting that you can't, that, yeah. that that you couldn't be at, that's opportunistic. You know, you just can't pull them onto a Zoom. It can surprise well, they're people. They're not even
0: picking up the conversation, the banter that's going on all right. around them all day long. And yeah.
1: Exactly. It's definitely. Well, well said.
0: Yeah. Um, any advice for young people coming into the workforce, the entrepreneurs of the world, I mean, you, you've you dropped some incredible nuggets along the way here, and I really appreciate it. But just sort of as we sit back and say, okay, we're going to be coming out of this kind of very murky two-year period in the world, and we've you and I both have kids that are like looking at their career path and where to go right now as they're coming out of college. But young people trying who don't necessarily have the chance to walk into offices. I have a son who's 22, who's right now in New York at Adweek for the first time. He's walking literally in my footsteps. And I'm thrilled to see that. But there's a lot of young people that aren't going to have that access. What do you think is a way forward and just, you know, maybe a mantra or two that they need to start really thinking about?
1: No, I think I, you know, it's it's what we were talking about before, a little with a little bit of modification, which is th- bet on yourself, and 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 there isn't the wrong path. I hear too many. Oh, I'm if, if I don't get this job or I don't get this internship, I'll never get to this next step. And I and I, or or if I do this, does that mean that I'm on this path? And and no, you know, don't try something if it doesn't work. It's okay. It's not fatal, you know, and go find something you, you learn as much from a, a job experience of what you feel is right. And what feels good as much as what doesn't feel good. Right. And I think you can learn from both of those areas. So, and, and then I would try to listen or go to like your son's going to add, listen because it always sparks ideas or go talk to people, ask a question. I, you know, somebody said to me the other day, it was like, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I was like, of course, I will find time to do it. It may not be at that exact moment when you ask me to talk, but I will find time. If you need advice, don't be afraid to ask for advice or counsel. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Yep,
0: absolutely. So I have a fun question before we sign off. Yeah. Now that we are actually creeping out of our houses and into restaurants and hosting friends, and things are are definitely easing up a little bit better. Um, If you were to have a dinner party and could have anybody sitting at that table to drink a good bottle of wine, break bread with three or four people that have uh, inspired you or that you would love to have a conversation with, who might they be? They could be dead or
1: alive. That's a really good one. But you know what really came to mind? And and it's not, um, and and then I'll answer your question in the way that I think you want me to answer it. But what really came to my mind was, I, I don't know, it just... Uh, my father who passed away and my two kids because mm-hmm. he instilled so much advice and experience to me. And he was truly my best friend. And to see where my kids are, he passed away seven years ago. And to see where right. my kids have are and have developed, I think that would be an amazing moment. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know, if that's what came to mind, but- Hey, of, I think that's the best. Right uh, of, in, uh, of inspiring people outside of my my immediate family. right? You know, the- there are a number of people who I who I really found who... who, who I'm, I'm going to answer this question three times, okay? <laughs> Go for it. So, so, so there are people who I always enjoy listening to because they have always broken the boundaries for me and really have um, changed my perspective of thinking, but they're still around, so I can still have dinner with them, but I always find them to be to be fascinating and one is Michael Lazaro who uh, founded golf.com and buddy Media, and is now in the forefront of NFTs. Michael is just, he's just, I always, I always enjoy my conversations because it pushes the boundaries of my creativity and Mm. where I go. Second is Andre Agassi because I got to work with him very closely and and his wife, Stephanie uh, Graff, because of, of how they thought differently about philanthropy Mm. and giving back to people. And Always what I've wanted to do is, and whenever I can, is to try to find a way to do good and do good business. But I always found his passion for that and, and his way of thinking about things. And and he said something while- which just like so totally framed out a different way of thinking about tennis. Which was, the light bulb went off for him when he said, "I didn't have to be number one in the world. Every time I stepped on the court, I just have to beat the other guy on the other side of the court, and be better than him to win." And I thought that that was a really wow. interesting perspective. Yeah. yeah. So 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 those two people have framed out for me a, a lot of a, a lot of different things. And then there are two other people, which is my good friend Rod Miller, who is at Bill Bank. Um, and in MA. And I always find his perspective to be unbelievably on and, and very valuable, as well as being a good friend. And then my roommate from college, Alex Sapier, who always is a great sounding board, um, who's a CEO in the pharma business of so four very different perspectives of people it. that I can still have dinner with or that have been accessible to me through relationships. And then the last one, which which now because you got me going on this, I love it. Great, Keep going. Question. I'm coming
0: to this dinner party for sure. Well, yeah. um, the
1: the 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 last one is are people that have whose who I don't know very well whose work has inspired me. And one person is Jason Flom. Mm. And Jason Jason is uh, I've met him a number of times, but he he has um, taken his success and moved it to help others. And I don't know if you know about what Jason does, but Jason has been incredibly successful in his passion in the music space. Right. But also he has a, his mission in life is to um, help people who have been wrongfully convicted to be exonerated. Mm. And I've watched him do this and just listening to him at a dinner party w- would would be amazing. The, right. the second one is Paul McCartney because I just, the most amazing, amazing yeah.
0: creative person
1: yeah that that, that i've iconic iconic just amazing person and you know inspiring in a different way so you know and then there then there's now now that you because you really got me going with this question (laughs) there are about seven or eight others you know what we can have
0: three big tables we can have one big u-shaped table we'll make it happen but
1: but, but i'm gonna but but then the last one that i will say is and and this is that the people that I work for and that I work with inspire me every day right now. Mm -hmm. And it's so much fun because it's an area. So when I see the passion for what we do from our chairman, and then when I see the experience of Michelle Anthony, and when I see the different people who bring their expertise, whether it's digital data, NFTs, um, media, I I I am learning and a sponge in this new thing. So if I could have all those people with like if I could have a dinner party with everybody that I just mentioned, ah. that would be the best thing. The people that I work with right now, my team, yeah, and the people that I work for and, and the and the people that I get to liaise are the best in the business, but they're so smart in their in their in their in their particular disciplines or in their broad-based disciplines. And I get to tap into that and create value out of it. Yeah, that's a that that to me is like I, the the one unfortunate thing that I haven't been able to do is sit down and break bread with these people because yeah. I haven't been able to talk to them across uh, you know uh, so so yes I would like to have dinner with all the people that I work with.
0: I love that. I love that, and I just I, I love how you cherish the role that these people and why these people are so important to you. Um, And it speaks volumes to who you are, how you've connected with people over the years, why you're sitting in the seat that you're sitting in today. And what I love that I hear, and I know you well, and I've known you for years, is that I hear a, a joy in your voice in what you're doing right now, that it's a playground where you get to apply so much of who you are, what you've done, what you know, what you've learned, surround yourself with amazing people. And it feels like you are checking a lot of good boxes in your life right now for you, which is a really amazing thing. I'm really thrilled for you and excited to see where that's going to go, what you're going to do with your team and all these amazing people that you're working with. And I'm so grateful for just the stories that you've been able to share today and inspiring others to think about what's important, when and how to come at things, how to appreciate the hard work, you know, those young people are going, I don't want to work in a mailroom for a year. Like, are you kidding? I just got out of college. I'm entitled to a really big job with a really big salary. And, you know, we're living in a very different culture today. And I'm just hoping that people hear that and understand the value of being humble, the value of working hard, the value of building relationships and, uh, having that vision to create what you want and you've shared an I'm, amazing I'm,
1: part of yourself. Well, as you know, I'm uncomfortable about talking. It was easy to talk to you. So thank you. Cause I know you, but I'm look. I, I, I my dad was a very successful man and he was incredibly humble. You know, I, I prefer not to talk about me and what I've done, but pr- prefer to talk about what, you know, our partners have accomplished or you, you won't see a lot about me in the press. That's mm-hmm. just purposeful. Mm-hmm. Um You know, and, and, I don't like in my picture taken because my mom is an amazing professional photographer and she always <laughs> took pictures of me. So, but, but the point is that, um, in, in context, I think it's people find out people know what you do. And, and you're, if you're fortunate enough to be successful, work with great people, that's what so, you need to do.
0: Exactly. So. Well, I appreciate it. I'm so glad that I got to have this conversation with you on my podcast. I really appreciate the time. You are one of the busiest people I know. And I, I, I just really love that we had this time together. So thank you. Thanks for being on here today. If anybody wants to reach out to Rich, of course, he is on LinkedIn. It's Rich, Richard Yaffa. And uh, this has just been such a great conversation. Um, if you're looking to reach me and anything else that we're doing at the reinventionexchange.com or sharpalliance.com. Um, feel free to look on my websites, reach out to me on LinkedIn. My book is Reinvent Your Life. What are you waiting for? Come join one of my virtual chat events every Tuesday exactly. afternoon. what are you waiting for? What Get are the book you waiting for?
1: for it. It's very good.
0: <laughs> Thank you. And uh, thanks for being with me today, everybody. Happy reinventing and see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Power of Reinvention. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Wouldn't mind a five-star review, it would be greatly appreciated. Also, be sure to visit the reinventionexchange.com to share your reinvention stories, suggest a guest, join the newsletter mailing list, get access to my book, which is called Reinvent Your Life, What Are You Waiting For?, and discover fantastic bonus content with my blogs and listen in to the Reinvention virtual chat series. Don't forget to join me next week for another episode. Please share with a friend and thank you for listening. Happy reinventing.